beautiful people welcome to yet another episode of this thing called life my name is neville scott and i am quite excited about today's episode we talk about vulnerability we also talk about the difference between vulnerability and transparency and the analogy that we used to describe that it's quite wonderful so continue listening to really get an understanding of what i mean and we're also going to talk about how to do vulnerability right and some of the incorrect ways of going about vulnerability and a lot of other things so please do me a favor and share this episode before you sit back relax and enjoy thank you for listening thank you so much all right let's go If I was to write down a few of my favorite musicians, I'm sure Jonathan McReynolds would be one of them. He's a brilliant musician. He plays the piano, he plays the guitar, he plays the bass, he plays drums, he plays them wonderfully, right? And he also writes music well. He writes, you know, the music that's essentially soul-touching. And I enjoy listening to Jonathan McReynolds because I'm always encouraged when I listen to him. Uh, not too long ago, he used to teach at some university. I can't remember the name of the university, but I think that was three years ago. That around that time, I came across a video uh, of, of Jonathan explaining the difference between transparency and vulnerability. And he used the analogy of museums and the value of things often kept in museums. I I, I can't remember what he said word for word, so I may have to paraphrase, right? It went something like this. It said, people usually go to museums to experience art that's been preserved over the years. And most of these artifacts are oftentimes enclosed in some, some encasement. For example, you may come across a skull of some kind that may denote some archaeological fact. You may come across other scientific specimen that from afar looks amazing. This could be the tail of a human being or, you know, the homo habilis bones and stuff. You know, it, it, it looks amazing. It's like, oh man, that's where we all come from, right? But at the end of the day, it's enclosed behind glass. It is beyond your reach, right? And usually this encasement allows you to see the artifact. It allows you to see or to make sense of the appearance and the shape of it, at least to the extent to which it's been restored. But what you can see lies beneath the glass, right? And beneath the glass, there may be a stench, there may be a stench, right? You can't feel these artifacts, right? You can see them, yes, but you can't feel them, right? You can get an idea of what it looked like, but then you can't know for sure, right? Because a lot of scientific processes have gone into making that piece of what we consider art, right? It may be archaeological, it may be um, natural, it may be a painting, a lot of scientific processes, well, scientific and social processes, go into making it suitable for display, right? And that's what scientists do. For example, in the case of the Egyptian mummies, it was believed that at some point uh, they smelled like rotten decay. Now the scientists had to come together and to recreate the scent of what, what's that fluid that uh, they used to preserve mummies? Uh, what's, what's the word for it? It's also the fluid that, uh, that, that, that's used on dead bodies. I think it's called, uh, let me think, 
embalming fluid, right? And so they had to recreate that, you know, the special one that was initially used to preserve these bodies, right? To get them to a place where the smell was bearable. And that right there is the distinction between transparency and vulnerability. When you go to a museum, you can, you can see this art, right? You can make sense of its shape, right? You can get an idea of what it was like, but you can feel it and you can touch it and you can smell it, right? And the reason for that is because of the scientific processes that make it suitable for that, right? They don't, they want you to have a great experience experiencing this art. So they're going to do things to it. And now when we translate that socially, uh, yes, you can get close to me, right? Yes, you may be able to see the shape of me, <laughs> pun intended. Um, you can see my face, uh, you can see most of it, but only through an encasement of some sort. You cannot touch me. You cannot influence me. I am protected by this encasement, right? I'm protected. I'm out of reach. I'm, I'm put out of reach, right? I'm completely out of reach, right? So you can't hurt me, right? And I feel like that's how we go about relationships lately. We go through, we go to great lengths to make sure no one can get to experience the real us. Maybe we are afraid that there may be a stench, you know, from me, that's not suitable for people. That if people catch that smell, they're going to run away. And that scares us. And so we protect, right? We had our authentic selves behind the guise of psychological processes, right? In an attempt to recreate ourselves into a version that we consider more bearable. A version that we want to showcase to the world. But thing is, Museums can never really truly represent the true nature of these artifacts. And the more you stay in a museum, the more you look at a given piece of art, the more it loses its beauty. It gets boring, right? And you know what happens at that point? People leave. It's the same thing with relationships, right? You fake it, you fake it, you fake it. And because when you fake it, there's really not much depth to you, people get so tired of that and they leave. And in the last episode, we talked about the importance of being ourselves. And what often gets in the way of this is a fear of being vulnerable. Now, it's very unwise to be vulnerable with every Tom, Dick and Harry, right? We previously talked about finding your people. And, and, and that's difficult. It is difficult to find your people. But then once that's done, we must allow ourselves to be truly vulnerable with them. And there are right ways of going about, you know, vulnerability. And we, we're going to get into that as, as, as we keep chatting, right? But we have, and, and I relate to this tendency, we all have a tendency of crafting ourselves into some sort of an image, right? Like a piece of art masterfully framed and cased for viewing and such. Safe enough for museums, safe enough for people to experience with all the stench and muck contained in a way that it stays within, right? In, in a way that even other people don't need to know about it. I have a few colognes. I am guilty of this. <laughs> but anyway, that gets in the way of vulnerability. And no relationship, none at all, unless you appreciate shallow things, which I do not. No relationship can truly thrive without authenticity. 
and authenticity for the most part looks like unfiltered vulnerability. And that unfiltered vulnerability is extremely hard. Vulnerability in itself is very hard because it is an unfortunate truth about life. We all would rather be liked than be real. We get into our heads about what we perceive others may like and we then try to mold ourselves, our characters, our behavior to fit the perception that's not really rooted in reality but the perception that exists in our heads, you know, and in the long run, this costs you. I, I want to equate this to trying to climb Mount Everest. It is a very possible feat, though mostly impossible. At the bottom of it, I forget the word for the, you know, the bottom, whatever portion of mountains, right? It starts out gently steep. It is more lateral, Mount Everest, that is. It is more lateral than it is vertical, right? And you may be deceived into thinking it's going to be an easy climb. Yet, very few have ever truly hiked to the very top of it. Last I checked, you know, as, as I was preparing for this episode, over 300 people have died attempting to reach or return from the summit of Mount Everest. I understand that the people, you know, the people who try to climb Mount Everest, it's a specific type of people. You know, they're strong, they're extremely motivated, and they're very athletic. And usually they're people who find the task of enthralling, uh, the, 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 the task of climbing that mountain so enthralling, right? And I look at it and I'm like, no, like... Why would I even try to do that? Like, what's the point? There's such a risk, there's such a huge risk factor associated. And I really don't want to put myself at, 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 at a, in a situation where an untimely death is possible. And I liken that to vulnerability. You know, we avoid it just as, you know, I'd say, okay, I'm going to climb Mount Everest, right? That's kind of how we tend to avoid vulnerability, right? Desperately, right? We try to encase our truths for whatever reason. And man, you don't have to do it. And I'm also telling myself this. And if you are doing it, if I am doing it, then we should stop. And it's only then that we can start living life. When we decide to embrace our authentic self, when we allow others close enough, not at arm's length, close enough that... That, that our imperfection be, imperfections become revealed, that the possible stench within us becomes noticeable, that they are able to re recognize us as human beings that really is us. And to be human is to be imperfect. To be beautiful is to be imperfect. To be wonderful it's to be imperfect. It reminds, this reminds me of this old John Legend song that reminds me of, you know, my teenage love life. I think the, the song was All of Me. It, it's really one of the first songs I learned how to play on piano. And there's a line, there's a powerful, there's, there's a line that's so poetic and so philosoph philosophical. It goes something like this. Because all of me loves all of you, loves your calves and all your edges, edges, all your perfect imperfections. I think that is very poetic right? I think that really describes human beings in a sentence, right? Now, let's talk more about vulnerability. And I, I think we all know the experience of vulnerability, even if we, if we do not call it by that name. It's that feeling we get when 
when when when you're about to tell someone I love you, right? It's it's that feeling you experience when you want to try out a new skill, right, in front of people. It's it's that uncomfortable feeling that exists in your tummy when you need to ask for forgiveness or when you put yourself in a situation where there's a risk of getting rejected, laughed at, or criticized. Brenna Brown, I love her. She writes a lot on this matter, right? And in her research, she's tried to explore some of the reasons why we shy away from vulnerability. And and, and she says this, we often celebrate it as a strength in other in others but we see it as a weakness in ourselves and she also says we love seeing raw truth and openness in other people but we are afraid to let them see it in us and man that is so true i relate so much to that and i think there's an aspect of it that stems from collective social trauma i don't know if that's a thing i i definitely made it up i feel like it may be a thing i, I feel like there's a more proper word for it uh, that I don't know but let's call it collective social trauma right where we have either been banned by people we let get close enough and I relate so much to this or we have banned other people who let us close and <laughs> I'm not gonna be hypocritical man I relate to this as well right and definitely now we find ourselves being part of this generation of of, of, of people who tend to ban people whose stenches we catch. You know, like when I make sense of your weakness, I'm going to use that against you. And that's not rare. It's not rare for people in relationships to weaponize the weaknesses of the significant others against the significant others. I've, I've done that and I've seen it happen around me. It happens so often and it is terrible. It ruins relationships. And I think that is why it seems like we have all collectively decided to not do the vulnerability thing. Because people are messy and we too are messy. And it's so difficult to trust others because they get messy. And the reverse is also true. So things are just not going well. And we are okay with that. And that's a problem. And, and, and this all brings about a fear that is difficult to overcome. And that's the fear of vulnerability. And overcoming it has to be a gradual process. It's not going to be instant. It must start slow. By taking small steps outside our comfort zones, I think it is very wise to find our people and to avoid people who are not our people. And on the last episode, I, I told the story of <laughs> of what I, I would consider my awakening moment when I grieved so much loss inflicted on me by my fakeness and I was meeting this gentleman who was like hey Neville how are you and I went into a whole rant that he really didn't really care for and that was embarrassing but I saw this as a learning moment then I found my people and it was wonderful and we held hands there were moments when we shed a few tears right I shed some tears. Well, that did not happen. I, I shed some tears inwardly and, and they shed. <laughs> but anyway, when you find your people, you have to be genuine with them, right? If you're feeling weird, say it, right? Share your thoughts. Share your thoughts with your people. Be genuine, right? And try to cultivate an environment of trust. 
and and for you to qualify people as your people they should have demonstrated some empathy and some understanding for you so you can feel safe enough to open up to them and man vulnerability is difficult because it forces you like the whole point of it is that it forces you to be okay with rejection that it forces you to be okay with ridicule it forces you to be okay with your weaknesses being used against you it forces you to expose yourself emotionally and that is risky because when messy folks come at you and they're gonna hit your weight hurts the most trust me i know that's entirely my story right they're gonna hit you it hurts the most but the key to true vulnerability is that you're willing to accept the consequences like hey man i am i am stripping myself completely before you and i know that you can kick me in the gonads <laughs> that's that's a metaphorical <laughs> think about it metaphorically right like i am exposing my nudity before you metaphorically knowing that you're gonna see everything right you're gonna see my vulnerability you're gonna see the most sensitive whatever areas uh you're gonna see my bath marks and so when you expose yourself in that way to someone and they decide to come at you man they can get here right they can get here but as i mentioned the key to true vulnerability is that you must be willing to accept the consequences no matter what man humans i feel like we are attracted to each other's each other's rough edges and now i'm not smart enough to come up with that quote i can't remember where i got it from so i'm not going to be able to do the crediting thing um but anyway let's talk about how we can be more vulnerable with each other right i think the very first step is understanding that this is a journey right i like the i say this all the time it's a marathon it's not a sprint and also with this vulnerability thing it's a marathon it's not a sprint it takes a while and it takes a while to be okay with knowing that people are gonna be messy and folks are gonna hurt you and that's okay right for me uh the very first thing that i had to accept was that I suck at some things, right? And the second thing was to take responsibility instead of blaming others or everyone else. And the reason taking responsibility for your problems is so powerful is because it puts you in control of the solution. When you blame others, you're handling you you you're handing over control to everyone and everything around you. And spoiler alert, you can't control everyone and everything around you. You may not be to blame for your current situation, which may be a mess, and also being kind enough with yourself to know to know whether you can take responsibility for stuff or not, right? Sometimes the, 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 there's nothing to own, and that that's okay, right? But stepping up and saying that you're going to take care of it is it's it's an effing power movement, a power move. It shows you've not you you're not faced by external pressures to look, act, or feel a certain way. That instead you accept reality for what it is and set out to work with what you have. And that's a shining example of vulnerability because you're saying, I have a problem. I'm not perfect, but that's okay. I can deal with that and I am going to deal with that like this. Um on the first point I mentioned admitting 
you suck at something, right? I, I've told my story about how growing up, I have found so much of my identity in my academic performance, which was decent, right? And so when, when I got to a place where my performance was not as good as it had always been, I struggled with things. For example, and I started playing music and, you know, it takes a while for the fingers to, to you know, get proper and stuff. That was a struggle and then that got me really messed up. And when I started really learning how to speak and my initial podcasts, even on this, whatever, it's always a struggle for me. Not admitting that I suck at that really allows me to be like, okay, I'm going to take responsibility of my growth instead of being like, okay, my parents never did this. My parents never gave me an opportunity to do this. And I was never exposed in a way that enabled me to, you know, like that's nonsense, especially now that we're grown up, you know, it doesn't really matter uh, what happened or what did not happen. We must be willing to accept that we suck at stuff and also take the responsibility, you know, charge ourselves with the responsibility that is our growth. The third point is we, we got to grow ourselves to a place where, you know, we can be honest with people who are being hurtful and insensitive to us. And for me, there's a few conversations that need to happen on that front uh, where people were incredibly hurtful and incredibly insensitive. And, you know, for me, I needed to take some time off uh, to process. I like to take some time off to process. I talked to people that I trust about the situation that needs to be addressed soon. And uh, we had a conversation about it. And, you know, my people, you know, my people, helped me realize that whatever I was dealing with did not really stem from me. And it was really a consequence of the other person's insecurity or rather insecurities. So conversations are going to happen uh, where I'm going to be, I'm going to have to call them out in a firm, but gentle and loving way, right? I'm not going to be insulting about it. And perhaps that's why I prefer taking some time off before addressing things because I don't want to be insightful uh, and uh, insulting. I don't want to be insulting. I don't want to say things out of fury because I want to offend someone else, right? And something else is complimenting people. Do it genuinely, right? Man, those people that are loved by me know that they are loved by me, right? Shout out the people you love with love. Tell them you appreciate, you admire, you respect, and you love them. And this might be the ultimate form of vulnerability. Man, it's difficult. When, when, when I use the L word, I still struggle. But when I like people and, and there are some people that I like, man, I'm going to tell them that, man, I love you, man. I love you, bro. And you know how we avoid the I in the beginning of it so it doesn't come across as weird? Man, put that I in there. Just say it. I love you. <laughs> I love uh, you. <laughs> Hey, this is difficult. Um, this goes for simply telling another person you think they're cute, for letting your friend know you really admire who they are as a person, and for expressing respect and love to your parents, and yes, even confessing your undying, never-ending love for your significant other. And all of this require you to be vulnerable because you never really know exactly how someone else feels about you, which could mean their feelings might not match yours, which could create an imbalance in the relationship, which, which could change the dynamics in the relationship and on and on and on. But before you rush out and start confessing your undying love to the next hot stranger you see, 
we need to talk about the fine line between vulnerability and emotional psycho psychopathy, which brings me to the next kind of subtopic, right? We must talk about what vulnerability is not. One, vulnerability is not a tactic. It's not a way of saying the right things so people see you in a certain way, right? It's not a case of opening up selectively. You know, I'm just going to say things that paint me in a certain light. That's not it. And secondly, vulnerability is not using emotional vomit as a way to be vulner vulnerable, right? And this also ties into emotional psychopathy. Emotional vomit is when you suddenly unload an inappropriate amount of emotions and personal history onto a conversation, usually to the horror of the person listening. An emotional vomit is difficult because on one hand, it may stem from a place of genuine vulnerability. But on the other hand, it is extremely repelling and extremely unattractive. In effect, you're being open and authentic about how needy and pathetic you are. And whether hidden or apparent, neediness is never attractive. And when I was figuring out the vulnerability thing, man, I did this, I did this a couple of times. I remember going on dates and man, I just wanted to be vulnerable, right? And so sitting across let's say, Emily, in quotes, <laughs> and just unloading, you know, my life, traumatic, whatever, on, on her, and she never texted back, and I'm still embarrassed about it. Yeah, so you can't use it as a tactic, as a way of manipulating people to feel some type of way about you, and also just don't do the emotional vomit, man. Share things with your people, right? Share things only with your people, broadcasting your truths in quote uh, to the world never really wise but though difficult there's a lot of power in vulnerability and if you've been paying close attention you must have noticed that real genuine vulnerability represents a form of power a deep and subtle form of power Brené brown talks about this in her book daring greatly a person who can make themselves vulnerable, exposing their weaknesses without any regard to what others will think, is saying to the world, I don't care what you think of me. This is who I am, and I refuse to be anyone else. And it's the backwards law in action. In order to become more resilient, more formidable, you must first bear your flaws and weaknesses for the world to see. In doing so, they lose their power over you allowing you to live your life with more honesty and intention. And again, as I said, that needs to be done correctly. Find your people, and it's those people that you need to be vulnerable to, right? As I said, the world has a tendency of weaponizing your weaknesses against you. So if you just broadcast your weaknesses in a stupid way, it's going to come back at you. And again, as I said, if you strip yourself before people, you, you must be okay with them hitting you in the gonads <laughs> i like that line uh signed sealed delivered neville scott right in conclusion i will say that opening oneself up to vulnerability and training our oneself to become comfortable with our emotions with our faults and with expressing oneself without inhibitions does not happen overnight it is a process it is a marathon not a sprint it's a very grueling process, but I can assure you that if you put in the work, if you have the difficult conversations, 
if you express yourself honestly, even when it's risky to do so. If you tell the world, this is who I am and I refuse to be anything else, you'll find new depth in your relationships. All of your relationships, your friendships, your intimate relationships, your family relationships, and you'll come out the other side unashamed of your flaws and unashamed of who you are. Ladies and gentlemen, beautiful people, thank you for listening to this episode of this thing called life. Now go be vulnerable with your people. <laughs> Adios. <laughs>